Hello and welcome to Resilient Faith, a podcast ministry of Brentwood Presbyterian Church in Los Angeles, California. I'm Janice McQueen Ward, the worship elder at BPC, and I want to welcome and thank you for being here with us. Over the holiday season, we will focus on sermons from our current Advent series, Reconciled. We will explore returning to harmony and balance with God and our world today as Jesus opened the door for us to live in right relationships with each other, creation, and ourselves. Let's begin that journey. I want to begin by reading to you from the book of Romans, only in Eugene Peterson's version, The Message, which does an amazing job at shining new light on scriptures that we all know. And so I want you to listen very carefully as I read to you from Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 14, as Eugene Peterson interprets it in The Message. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them finds that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what God is doing, and God isn't pleased at being ignored. The resurrection life that you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children, and we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. This is the word of God for the people of God. Do you all remember George Carlin? Everybody? Anybody here? There are a lot of George Carlin sketches that would be highly inappropriate for a Sunday morning sermon. Stephanie's like, But there is one. In fact, it's one of his best that is also his cleanest. And it has to do about aging. Carlin says, isn't it funny that the only time we get really excited about aging is when we're little? When we're little, we are so excited to get older that we speak about aging in fractions. How old am I? I'm four and a half. I'm seven and three quarters. You're never 36 and a half or 43 and three quarters. But when you're little, I'm four and a half going on five. And then you get into your teens and you get so excited about aging that you actually want to skip a couple of years ahead. You meet a cute boy and you say, I'm going to be 17. You may be 14 at the time, but you're going to be 17. When I was in high school growing up, it was 
in New Jersey, it was a virtual rite of passage for everyone in our high school at some point to go up to New York's Times Square and get one of those IDs, those fake ones you could buy that said you were 21 when you were actually someone, something like 17. I don't know if any of you from the East Coast remember those. But then you finally become 21, right? You become 21, but then George Carlin says, but then you turn 30. He said, it makes it sound like milk that's gone bad. Oh, we had to throw him out. He turned. He turned 30. So you become 21, and then you turn 30, but he says the next thing you know, you're pushing 40. And even worse, they say, you reach 50, as if it was some surprising feat that you were able to do. And then even worse, they say you make it to 60. And then you built so much speed that you hit 70, right? And then you get into your 80s, but by the time you're in your 90s, everything starts to go backwards again. When you turn 94, you say, but I was just 92. And if you make it all the way to 100, then you go right back to being a little kid again. I'm a hundred and a half. I'm a hundred and three quarters. Well, today is New Year's Day, the first day of the year 2023. I don't know how many of us would like to take a friendly little wager at how many times we're going to write 2022 on checks and letters and correspondence and documents before we finally get it straight. And while 2022 has definitely left an indelible mark on my life, finishing my doctoral classes, trying to start my doctoral thesis, my family getting COVID in the spring, my mom going through cancer treatments and then dying this summer, Catherine retiring, a vet getting pneumonia, some of our most beloved congregants passing away, doing my mom's memorial service last month, getting COVID the week before Christmas. I am so ready for 2020 to be over. But what today reminds me is that life does not slow down for any of us, does it? In fact, it just keeps moving faster and faster. On Friday, just on Friday, Ryan, our daughter, she was zooming into some informational meeting for the University of Chicago. And then immediately afterwards, she downloaded the manual from the DMV for her driver's license. Are you kidding me? Where is the time going? The psalmist puts it like this. He says, teach me to number my days, O God, that I may gain a heart of wisdom. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Ernst Becker in his book, Denial of Death, exposes the degree to which our society, perhaps more than any other society ever in human history, systematically, maybe even unconsciously, has begun trying to weed our mortality out of our consciousness. He says many of the things that we do in life are done in a neurotic, futile attempt to try to achieve some sort of illusion of immortality so that we think we can live forever. It's hard to be a human, living in a broken and temporary world. 
They say one of the great distinctions that set us apart from all other animal species is our ability to contemplate our own death. This is the great existential dilemma. The author of Ecclesiastes puts it this way. He says, I have seen the burden that God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity into the human heart. And yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. You know, ultimately, the truth is, the truth that we focus on even more on a day like today, is that all of life really comes down to just one question. What the hell am I doing here? What, why am I even walking on the face of this planet? Is there a reason? Is there a purpose to my being alive? Do we even have the guts to ask these kinds of questions? And I say, do we have the guts? Because asking these sorts of questions are not for the faint of heart. It may be life's most important, most obvious questions, but they're also life's scariest. I mean, you don't have to be Albert Einstein to realize that there's even either there's a reason that we're here or else there's not. And if there is a reason, then we're wasting precious time if we are not spending every waking moment that we have doing everything in our power to try to figure out what it is. And if there isn't a reason for us being here, well, that's even scarier. Tim Keller, who's the pastor at the Redeemer Church in New York City, says that our society today is probably the first society in human history whose official position is to have no answers to the big questions of life. He points out that every other society and civilization before us has championed some kind of meaning to life. It's told its members that this is why you're here and this is what makes life worthwhile and meaningful. And of course, different societies have had different answers through the years, some religious, some political, some secular. But every society before now has at least had the confidence to say, these are the answers to life's biggest questions. But it's our society, this society, that's the first in our schools, in our culture, in our arts, to increasingly say that you live and you die and that's it. Everything else is open to interpretation. Everything else is up to you to figure out for your own. It's as if our only fanatical creed is there are no answers. Which is precisely why I don't think many people have the guts to even ask the question, why am I here? What is my purpose? Because it's scary. It's scary if we think we are here for a reason, and it's even more scary if we think we aren't. 
which is why I think most people spend most of their time just avoiding the whole subject, running the other way. I mean, it's the ultimate catch-22, because these are the questions that we most need to be asking and answering in our very limited time that we get to spend here on Earth. I know for myself, whenever I have a big, important decision, a weighty decision that I need to make about my life or my career or our family, about how I'm going to spend my time or my energy, I like to try to look at the decision from what I call my deathbed perspective. I hope that doesn't sound too morbid. But it's amazing what a simple and yet highly effective exercise it is. Whenever I have a big decision that's looming, whenever I'm confused about what's best for me or my family or my life, I just try to imagine myself 40 years from now. Maybe that's a little bit optimistic. Lying on my deathbed with my family and loved ones around me, reflecting back on the decisions that I made and the steps that I took, looking back on this decision that I'm struggling to make today, and looking at it from the perspective and the angle, being fully present and aware of my finite mortal life, and oftentimes more than not, it's instantaneous how quickly the answer comes to me, how suddenly the answer to my question becomes crystal clear. It's easy to see the decision that I need to make that I will wish that I would have made when I stop to think about what I'm doing today with the end clearly in mind. Because once again, time does not slow down, does it? I look at how quickly life has sped up through the years. Our son Clay, he's in eighth grade, and it's as if eighth grade is his entire life. It's like everything is just focused on this year, as if he can't remember seventh. He can't even possibly imagine ninth. It is all about eighth grade. I feel like my decades go quicker than that now. And I know, I can imagine what it's going to feel like tomorrow, lying on my deathbed, looking back over my life, wondering where time went, trying to figure out if I really invested my life or if I just spent it. If I'm only going to have a certain amount of days and hours and energy, I don't want to fritter it away building a lifestyle. I want to invest it in the things that will make an actual difference, the things that will bring a real kind of satisfaction, a lasting, deep-down kind of satisfaction. I want to know that I played my part, even as small as it might be, in the radical revolution that Jesus came to bring into this world. I want to be like that man that the IRS agent called to say, what's all this we hear about you laying up treasures in heaven? One thing for sure, we are not here for ourselves, and thank God for that. The purpose of our life is far more than our own 
personal fulfillment or self-actualization. It is so much more than our success or our peace of mind or even our happiness. All I know for sure is that the more my life becomes focused on me, the more boring it gets. And the more I'm able to begin focusing on others and what's going on outside of me, that's, that's when the good stuff starts to happen. That's when I know that I am on the verge of something meaningful and real. And so the question that I'd like us to spend some time this morning, but then you to spend the time the rest of this week thinking about, is how am I going to truly invest, not just spend, whatever limited time I have left on this planet? How am I going to invest the finite amount of days and energy and resources and talents that I've been given? If I really believe that everything I have and everything I am is a gift straight from God, then how can I steward that gift to be a part of what God is up to in our world right now, to become a part of the healing that is so desperately needed after these last few crazy years? And now I'm stuck in a bit of a quandary because while I am as jaded as the best of them in this whole idea of writing down New Year's resolutions, the kind that we break before the wise men even make it to the manger, I do fundamentally believe in the power of making lists. That when we commit our hopes and our dreams and our goals to paper, when we write, thing, write down the things that we want to do and the things that we want to become, that there is something about putting those thoughts to paper, about putting those things out there that both consciously and unconsciously begin to galvanize our wills, focus our energies, and unlock our inner resources to begin moving towards the things that we want to see happen in our lives. I guess if I was some kind of new age guru, I would say there's something about putting our intentions out there in the universe, that the universe begins to realign itself to fulfill our deepest wishes. But as a Christian pastor, I much prefer the way that Eugene Peterson put it, in his translation of the message. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle but never getting around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action inside of them, that God's spirit is in them, they encounter the living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us, leads us out into the open, into a spacious and free life. This resurrection life that you have received from God, it's not a timid or a grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a childlike What's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirit. 
and confirms who we really are. Amen. We are so grateful you have joined us and hope this episode helped fuel your mind, body, and soul. This podcast is produced by me, Janice McQueen Ward, and by Cameron Ward, who also created the music. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe to our podcast and support us financially through the Give page of the BPC website. Until next week, go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.